Hey there, and welcome to Radio Free Bay Ridge, your hyper-local progressive podcast focusing exclusively on beautiful Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I'm Dan. And I'm Eric. So happy fall, everyone. Summer just keeps having these days or two where it's trying. It's got one last (laughs) hurrah and then soon. Nope. And talking about things that are withering on the vine, so to speak, we have our leaves falling down and... For a long time, it seems, I've continually seen on Facebook, not that Facebook is a good source of any news. Scandalous. Um, Closed stores. Mm. Eric, Dan, they're all closing. I got to tell you, Dan, there was a uh, empty store on my way into the studio today. And honestly, that means Bay Ridge is gone. It's, it's done. Bay it's Ridge over. is out of here. It's jumped the shark. <laughs> honestly, we had a good run. Yep. And um, Henry's new book uh, could maybe add five pages on the demise. And yep. I think we're set. How Bay Ridge became Bay Ridge and then died. <laughs> Obviously, yep. we jest. Yes. There's been plenty of questions on the vacancy rates and our own Dan Hedix, co-host of Radio Free Bay Ridge, if you didn't know him. He has done a little bit of information gathering on this. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be sitting here talking to him about what that data means, how it's important. and just answering some of the questions we've seen come up over the past few weeks and kind of put it into a context. So I guess what we should do first, we should talk about what we're talking about. So when we say vacancy rates, we're not talking about residential properties. No, we are not talking about residences. We are talking about storefronts. Storefronts. And to oversimplify quite too much, more empty stores, worse economy for the neighborhood. Yeah, that's what most people would infer from seeing a closed storefront. Sure. And I guess we should establish um, some context for us as well. You are somebody who's done some work on this. I'm coming at this pretty green. Yeah, as a neighbor who has walked up and down and occasionally seen a store close or two. Yes. And also, I would like to bring in a little later in the episode, a neighbor who has lived in other neighborhoods uh, and has a bit of maybe New York context for this. There we go. Because this Bay Ridge storefronts are closing thing is kind of being led by a more citywide narrative that stores are closing and stores are having problems. Amazon and online retailers are hurting local mom and pops. Bids that may or may not be doing anything for the neighborhood. You can obviously listen to our episode about the Fifth Avenue bid, which came out a little while ago. And we will also be having an interview with the people trying to make a third avenue bid and what is the process involved for that and what are some of the obstacles that they may be having to overcome. And we don't even know if that third avenue bid will ever really even be a thing. So, right. So let's talk about that a little bit. The idea here, because we're talking about vacancy rates, right? And these are all mostly small businesses. And the idea that a vacancy rate could in any way be affected might seem a little odd to people because Mm -hmm. these are surely just renters like we are and they find a space and they take the space. And if the business doesn't do well, then, you know, it drops off and then they have to shut and then another one comes in. So the interaction doesn't seem necessarily uh, clear, the connection. Yeah. So one of the things when you are a store owner or a property owner, your control over things ends at the property line and the property line ends at the sidewalk. And that is really where everyone is going to get to your business. And if you don't have a nice sidewalk, if you don't maybe have some street trees or some nice lights or don't coordinate marketing, um, something that's called placemaking, where people 
see the avenue as a destination in and of itself, not just the individual stores, bids and merchants associations and all of this can make an entire avenue a cohesive whole that is more than the sum of its parts. And that can affect overall vacancy rates. And it also affects property values, which is what property owners really want to see Absolutely. is they want those property values to go up. So bids do that. They also can help store owners by connecting them with small business services, city agencies. But the idea is that they end up getting money and can spend them on the avenue as a whole that hopefully increases foot traffic, that hopefully increases services. That means that small businesses don't have to worry about the overall avenue's economic health, and they can just enjoy nice services and focus on their businesses. Right. And this is something we've talked about in the past. Small businesses benefit greatly when they have forms of stability, right? Things that they can look at and say, that's going to be the same or it's going to get better and I don't have to worry about it dropping out from under me. Exactly. Right? And also data that they might not otherwise be able to gather. So right now, the Fifth Avenue bid got some grant money along with Community Board 10 to conduct a general economic survey of the neighborhood. And we will have links to that in the show notes hmm. to understand how consumers in Bay Ridge are interacting with the avenues. Hey, are people mostly trying to figure out what my menu is online? Should I have a web presence? How are hmm. people going to the avenue? Do they drive? Do they walk? What is important for them on the avenue? Is it sanitation or safety? And they're going to gather this data and provide it to local store owners to assist with making their business decisions more informed. It's interesting because when you're saying this, I think, yeah, why would I go to Third Avenue over Fifth Avenue, for yeah. example, right? Or even 86th Street. In my mind, I get these images. Okay, I'm going to 86th Street. I probably burned a pan to a crisp and I need to get to Century 21. Yeah. And then when I'm thinking of Fifth Avenue, I'm thinking, all right, in the 70s and 80s, there's a lot of food. And I'm thinking culinarily, right? Yeah. If that's even a word. Third Ave, I'm just like pure nostalgia hit. This is where <laughs> I spend my summer strolls. And I just mm -hmm. like looking at the things. It has more boutiques. Mm -hmm. um, Third Avenue has larger restaurants where Fifth seemingly has a couple of smaller hole-in-the-wall restaurants. It's a totally different dynamic for each. And it's interesting that we're differentiating because there's also the forgotten commercial zones of Bay Ridge, which is Fourth Avenue near each of the subway stops is its own little world. And mm -hmm. those aren't covered by any organized business associations. You have the triangle of industry to the south of 86th Street, where all the car lots are. That's its own economic world. And there's a different reason to go there. Right at the foot of the bridge, going from Cannonball Park all the way back up to where 5th and 4th merge, there's the overpass on 92nd Street. There's a bunch of stores there. It's served mainly by people that are waiting to get on the bus to go over the Verrazano. Mm -hmm. um, there is also... The couple of stores just dotted along 6th Avenue, delis and things like that. And then there is the forgotten stepchild of all of the Bay Ridge commercial corridors, which is Bay Ridge Avenue, which goes down to the 69th Street Pier. And that is a totally different world as well. It is a massive commercial and mixed use residential corridor. We're going to talk about the vacancy data in just a little bit, but it is not doing well at all. It used to be where you would get on the ferry to go to Staten Island back when there was no Arizona Bridge 
And that's why it was a commercial corridor to begin with, is you had a lot of traffic going down there and that traffic is not there anymore. Sure. So this is something that kind of sits in the zeitgeist of the Bay Ridge Facebook groups that you discussed (laughs) earlier. But it also came out when we initially released this data, which is, ah, but what about Bay Ridge Avenue? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if that is serving as this straw man argument. So we have to kind of talk about psychologically why people think there is a problem. One is that people hear city problems and they assume the city's problems are Bay Ridge's problem. That is not entirely true. Bay Ridge is just a subsection of the city and can be wildly different in terms of statistics. The other one is my favorite store closed. That is a very Mm -hmm. common one. Mm -hmm. Circles just closed. The old Petland had closed. Sancho's had closed. And what name your favorite place? The old progressive bar that everybody used to go to. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Longbow. Yeah. <laughs> but you always hear this one place that you loved and it's gone now. And that must be a signifier of something bad. Sure. Um, when really all it is a signifier of is change. A lot of times people will move away and they will remember fondly all of these stores that they grew up with. But guess what? Because you moved away, you're not a customer there anymore and it had a problem keeping those customers i keep seeing on these facebook groups a lot of people like oh i used to go here when i was a kid it's like yes you're in florida now that's why it's no longer (laughs) frequented i'm sorry but Mm -hmm. you know maybe if they moved down to florida with you it'd be all right but it's not happening and things change especially young people new parents coming to the neighborhood and they want different things another reason why you think storefronts are vacant in this neighborhood is man, there's three empty stores on this block. That sticks in your mind. What Mm -hmm. doesn't stick in your mind is the fact that the five blocks before that and the five blocks after that had nothing. You don't remember the good blocks. And also, it's very hard for us to remember which ones are changing over time. For a couple of months, that thing is stuck in your head, and you might not know that right now, if you went back there, two of those are rented out of like four that were bad. And you might also not know, hey, those two storefronts are only vacant because has the same property owner and he wanted both of those vacant and he's going to try to turn it into a big something, mm. not keeping them two small separate somethings. Sure. So that's another thing that you might misinterpret. And another one is time. Do you go to these avenues at all times of the day? Because different times the avenue turns into different things. Something that seems empty while you walk around during your one commute that you've been doing religiously every single day for 10 years, hey, that store's actually open. It's just shut when you're around. So talk to me more about that. And this is kind of going to move us into methodology a a little bit before we get deep into it, right? So we were walking (laughs) on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And there was a building that was clearly the grate was down. Mm -hmm. The windows were boarded up or even just like had things in it. And you're like, that place is open, just never looks open. And I <laughs> yeah. couldn't, I, it just changed my entire perspective about this. So talk to me about these weird buildings. There are a couple of stores that are clearly very, very old school. Like this is a person who runs a business and actually owns the building too. Hmm. There are a lot of stores that have that. And that store is kind of just a hobby for the person who owns it. There are stores that just do minor repairs of small goods. There are basically people who have retired and they don't really need the money from this store anymore. And they open it by appointment and they still have a storefront on the avenue. It's also that they own the building or maybe they have a nice agreement with one of the property owners. 
these places just don't open all that much. They might not be engaging with the street. Some stores are not being used as stores. They have their shutters down all the time, but I've been walking day in, day out for about half a year, eight months, nine months now. Some of these stores are being rented but used as storage. Some stores and businesses operate online and they need warehousing space or storage space. A lot of Bay Ridge Avenue is actually being used by contractors who don't have a nice front area. You're not supposed to walk into these stores. You'll also have some that look like they're a store. It's a garage. <laughs> a mm. lot of Bay Ridge Avenue is when one of those big aluminum shutters is down, you wonder like, oh, man, there's a store back there. And you one day I'm walking by and that's opened up and it's like, oh, no, that's a that's a garage. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, let's let's put a face on this. So a good illustration I always think about on 96th Street and 3rd Avenue, mm-hmm. there is a butcher shop and it is never open. In fact, in the most recent months, they took what was very clearly butcher paper and <laughs> put it all over the windows. Yeah. And every time I walked by, it said closed, closed, closed. They even had a little sign yeah. that you could turn around. And then you look to the store right next to it, and it's Ember Steakhouse. Yeah. And it's like, ah, it is the butcher shop that feeds Ember Steakhouse. That's all it needs to do. Yeah. So why would it open? There is also a lot of doctors in this neighborhood that thrive on dual practices. They have a practice in Staten Island and they have a practice in Brooklyn or they have a practice in Manhattan Mm. and a practice in Brooklyn. And they don't need to be open all the time. In fact, this is a Nork. We are in a naturally occurring retirement community, Bay Ridge. It serves seniors, but it might not have, say, the flow of customers that requires it to be open all the time. And you have to call and then they'll open the store. So that shutter that's down one of the things that I've done when I've been walking, and maybe we should get into the methodology a little bit, yep. is I'll check for holiday decorations. This dentist's office, and I have to like peer into each one. And I'm like, is the calendar flipped? Mm. Is there, and I'll take photos through the grate and see if anything's been disturbed or changed inside some of these stores that are appointment only to see if they really are still active. So let's go back before we get into the very <laughs> creative ways in which you have identified non-vacant storefronts. Let's start with the basics, right? So in terms of area, where are the limits of this? Did you go outside? All right. Yeah. So what I did is I walked every single commercial corridor in Bay Ridge starting in January of 2019. Okay. In January of 2019, I didn't cover everything. This was just an off thing that I thought I was going to do for the Fifth Avenue bid episode. So I only walked 5th Avenue and 3rd Avenue and some parts of 4th. So the data in January versus the data that I did two months later, and I started doing this every couple of months because people were asking, oh, how does it change? How has it changed over time? What's the turnover? What's the turnover? That's the thing I want to learn. So I'm like, oh, I got to start doing this more often. Oh, man, I've gone through shoes on this. Yeah, I want to be very <laughs> clear when you, just so we're so clear before moving forward. You are physically walking. Yes. These streets. I am physically walking in front of every store uh-huh. and noting what kind of status it is, including the side street stores. They might not be within the bids boundaries. Some bids or merchants associations do not like those side street stores or do not consider them part of the avenue because they don't front to the avenue. I've counted them. And that's something that I did not check in January because Good Lord, if you think walking down every single commercial strip in Bay Ridge is annoying, and it is, 
having to divert <laughs> every single block and walking another 40 feet and then crossing the street without a crosswalk and then walking back and peering into every single one of these side stores, that is a whole other level of commitment. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... So those so that's were that's of, what I walked. It's <laughs> a lot of businesses. Yeah, it takes about um I'd say four or five days to uh finish a full walk. And what I did to do that is I would take one side of the street and walk the entire length of these areas, check all the stores on one side of the street, including the side streets, and then return back on the other side of the street and check all the side streets on that side and just mark it down on a phone. Raw numbers, how many businesses is that? One thousand five hundred and one identified stores. Are we talking binary? It's a store or it's closed? What are we talking about? So I actually had broken it down a little bit. Is it open and active or rented? And that is just a yes, it is open or rented. And that includes as you can use for storage or whatever. Then there are stores that are vacant, which is they are not actively trying to be rented and they are not actively trying to renovate into something. So Mm. If I walk in front of a store and there is nothing inside that's vacant, there are also lumped into a similar category. I call both of these vacant stores that are for rent. Clearly, they are trying to rent the space. It has a big for rent sign, a for lease sign. I consider that vacant as well, but I put it in its own category. And you can actually, if you download the raw data from this collection that I've done over the past couple of months, you will see that they are distinguished where some are for rent and some are vacant. And then the final one is rented. So it is not open, but there is clear movement going on inside. It says coming soon. And that coming soon can be for many months. It takes a long time to set up a small business, especially to transform it from a different kind of business than it used to be, running gas lines, going from a restaurant to a hookah lounge, or going from whatever to whatever. That can take a very long time. So some of those for rents have sat there for a while, but I did not want to include them in the vacant rate because something's happening there and someone's paying money. Yes. And so as we build anticipation towards the towards the vacancy number, what we're talking about is which of those categories you're describing to me are in the vacant category and which are in the not vacant category. So stores that were vacant and stores that were for rent were counted under the broader category of vacant. Stores that were open, stores that were rented, those stores were counted on the other side. That's where the number comes from. We have a vacant rate of 7.45 in August of 2019. Now, that has moved around a bit over time. When I first did my January analysis, that was around 8.87. Actually, the data has changed over time. When I first did it, I think it was a little bit higher than that. But over time, doing this methodology of going store to store, I've mischaracterized things over time. Mm. I'm, I'm going, I'm doing a thousand and five hundred something stores. There are moments where I say, hey, this is vacant, especially that first run through. I was like, this is vacant. And then three months later, I'm doing like third walkthrough and hey, shit, they now have like, we're going to temporarily be gone for the summer sign in front of their store. I didn't know you were here, buddy, but hey, you put it up there. You're here. I have to go back and change my three previous data entries that called you vacant because you are clearly around. I'm one person. I'm not catching the avenue at every moment. And I have to maintain the accuracy of this data and make sure that over time it is as accurate as I know it to be in the moment. So 
This data will change over time. Don't take 7.45 in August of 2019 to be the number. I doubt it will shift too much. The thing, though, is what does 7.45% yes. mean? So let's start with the city. What's the city doing? City? We have no goddamn clue. And that is the thing. There is no centralized understanding of what the city vacancy rates are. You'll see online a lot of people going, it's 22%. That's a big one that you see. And it's because there is this one think tank that was hired to do some studies in some neighborhoods in Manhattan, and it estimated this to be 22%. Mm. Um, they did not do a physical walkthrough. They based this, I think, on real estate data, which is very faulty and in very, very specific locations that they knew to be a problem. And then they extrapolated that out with market data. And then in writing on it by various journalistic groups, they said that the whole city had a 22% vacancy rate, which is crazy. If it was 22%, we would be in a massive economic crisis. Sure. We do have a small business crisis in New York, but we do not have a vacancy crisis. Two very different things. And we should talk about that a little bit so later. So what's the difference? By the time a store is vacant, the store owner's gone. Whatever's happened has happened. They could have retired. They could have mm. already owned three stores. And that store owner just says, hey, you know, I want to just reduce some of this workload and I'm only going to do two or one. Um, I think one of the bike stores that closed up on Third Avenue was the guy already owns another store. Mm. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Or a person passes away and kids don't want to maintain the family business. That's a totally valid concern. It's not an indicator of an economic crisis. It's an indicator of change. But there are problems with running a small business in New York City. And to focus on the vacancy is to not care about the store owner's problems until it is too late. Mm. If you really want to help store owners, start talking about do we give them the right services from small business services? Do we help incentivize stores that have between one and five workers that are predominantly family? Do we help give them economic data that they can use to tailor their businesses? So foot traffic studies and analysis. Are we having bids and merchant associations that care about their needs? Are we thinking about how the web is impacting them. Are we, as neighbors, not ordering from Amazon? And are we holding on too hard? Some businesses can be pressured by locals to stay open when they are not economically viable. The Painted Pot was an example that they wanted to close, and that was an economic decision that they had to make. And apparently people wanted it open, but not enough people continued to go and patronize them to make it viable. We have to understand and empathize with store owners in that way and not just freak out because an empty store looks ugly. Mm. So we mentioned a few times that an empty store looks bad. It brings down property values. Is it unfair to say that a fair amount of this rhetoric is from property owners who are scared to lose their investment? Yeah, I mean, one of the things is to talk about vacancy as a problem in this neighborhood is to center property owners and not storefront owners sure. because a property being vacant is a property owner's problem. They're the ones who have to rent it out. And a lot of times they will try to mask it and go, this is a problem with store owners. Oh, no, we should worry about. Dude, a lot of the stores that are continually vacant are problems with, and I've checked this, Department of Buildings violations where the building is almost unrentable. Because there are core problems with the building. There are things on Third Avenue 
that have had construction for years in front of them and the property owner has not fixed that. That is not a problem with stores. That is a problem with a property owner. I think there's what used to be a uh, grocery or a deli or something on the third and it's a two-story building. That building is shot. They are trying to rent the whole building, not just the store. Just because a store isn't there, it's also possible that that property doesn't have a property owner at all. <laughs> or the property owner is trying to get out of that building entirely and doesn't want anything in there. Hmm. So some buildings are just slated for demolition and demolition takes a long time to get permits for. And that thing's empty because the property owner wants it. And then there's the big one that I think everyone's heard about, which is a property owner will sit on an empty storefront hoping to get a really good rate from who knows, McDonald's, a bank a big box store, whatever it is, they want that money. Sometimes they will let two stores right next to each other stay vacant so that it looks more attractive to be like, hey, I'm selling this whole package. You can take this wall down. You got options. Mm -hmm. To talk about vacancy is to center property owners, and it's not to center merchants. And we got to get away from that. And this data that I'm providing, I hope that people don't want to look at any more of it <laughs> because <laughs> we're good. We're fine. To go back to what those percentages mean, sure, 7.45% is healthy. It's not horrible. It's also not great. It's not ideal, but it's healthy. An ideal number would be 4%. Define healthy for me before we yeah, get further. Yeah, healthy is every commercial corridor needs to have some empty stores. That's why you don't want 0% because if you had 0%, that means entrepreneurs are being shut out. You want 4 so you have some empty space and there's renovations happening, et cetera, et cetera. 4 to 8 healthy. It means that there's emptiness, but what you really want to see is turnover rate, and Bay Ridge actually has a reasonably good turnover rate. We don't have buildings that are vacant for very long. I have crunched a couple of those numbers. The ones that stay vacant the longest are the ones that aren't saying, hey, rent me. They're the ones with construction problems. They're the ones that are slated for demo. They are the ones with building violations. Those are the ones that really stick in your mind. So what would really be an emergency is over 14%, and that's Bearage Avenue. Bearage Avenue is at about 22%. Yes, yeah, so um, that's that where I was going horrifying. next. And yeah. if you just diced Bearage Avenue out of the studies for Bearage, we would be around 5 6%. We would be close to ideal. And actually, third and fifth, they're at about 5 They're hovering between 5 to 6 And on top of that, also got to understand vacancy rates fluctuate over the year. We're in the summer, which should be prime time for the least number of stores to be closed, the winter that'll go up because some stores just couldn't make their summer numbers. That's what they're banking on. They decide they have to close up shop and you know, wait till the spring for renovators to come in and take out windows and things like that. You don't want to do that during the winter. So a lot of times the winter vacancy rates are a little higher than the summer rates. It fluctuates. Third Ave doesn't currently have a bid. It has a merchant association. Mm -hmm. Fifth Avenue has a bid. Bay Ridge Avenue has nothing. nothing. Are we making connections that don't exist here when we're thinking about bids and vacancy rates, yeah. and merchant associations and vacancy rates, and nothing? People think, oh, the bids don't do crap for vacancy rates. Some people think that. You know, that has some merit to it. I said before, the city doesn't track any data on vacancies. Bids do. Bids have for about a decade. Ever mm. since bids were formed, one of the things you have to track if you have a bid is how many stores are empty. And that's where the bid vacancy rates have hovered around 8% on average for 2019. Our bids are well below that average, so we're doing better than most bids, which is what we really should be focusing on because bids are individualized entities. Merchants associations are individual entities. 
a bid could be run poorly. A bid can be very different from another bid. What we should be focusing on is our our bids doing better. And by the bids own average metrics of 8%, we're outperforming other bids. So that's already a positive. So you could say, hey, bids don't do anything. 8% is what bids on average have. And I bet that city data will show that it's also 8%. So bids do nothing. Well, all right, good job for you on, on that argument. The Fifth Avenue bid's doing better. Mm-hmm. 86 is about average, but it's done better lately, especially because summer's hit. Who knows what Third Avenue would be? Third Avenue Merchants does not track that. But if they became a bid, we would have that data again. And there was a recent bill that was passed that says now, starting uh, next year, the city has to track it for everything. So we will finally in a year get to know <laughs> what that data well, is. Let's cautious optimism. Who, which department is that under? <laughs> that is actually going to be required to be reported by property owners. So <laughs> mm, I wonder if they have an incentive to change those numbers. A yeah. Little bit. So but at least we will get something with a plus minus accuracy percentage and we can start trying to figure out where that data is. These things are all property owner led. And that's where I would ask, go out. That's a very Jane Jacobs thing. Go out and meet your store owner. Ask them stuff. Ask them how they're doing. I episode on Yemen. So that's what I wanted to bring up as kind of the final stroke of this. We always try to end on what can our listeners do or where can our listeners start thinking about this as a progressive audience. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who haven't listened yet, we did an episode interviewing Rabia, a local Yemeni activist who is a powerhouse and we love her very much. And we talked about what it meant for Yemeni-owned small business to boycott the post, right? And that's something that, again, I'm going to overgeneralize a little bit. Progressives are very bad at thinking about small business. It's traditionally just sat in the Republican camp, kind of like Christianity has in this immovable, the Republicans support the small business owner. And that's partially because we're not very good at talking about small business as progressive. And we can be reactionary. We can hear small business and go, woof, Republicans like it. And so I'm going to, how can I be against small business? I'm just going to ignore it. Yes. I'm going to instead fight the corporatist big business. And, you know, very important to do. But we need to also start getting some language around small business as progressive. So Let's start with advocating for our neighbors, because that's something that progressives are very Mm -hmm. good at. So how can we advocate as neighbors for our local small business neighborhoods? Yeah. And this is where I do want to say that there are many groups in Bay Ridge that are doing a good job of this. Um, Fight Back Bay Ridge has been doing a Meatless Mondays program, which is going to local stores and saying, hey, do you have a vegetarian option? One. A lot of them already do have a vegetarian option. And then their ask is on Mondays. Have a value sale on that option or advertise it or do something to say, hey, there's a vegetarian option here. And that is a local progressive group engaging with individual store owners. Bike South Brooklyn has been for a very long time been trying to encourage people to just take photographs of when you bike somewhere and buy some goods. Take a photo of you in front of the store with your bike, your little basket in front of your bike with your groceries and say, I came down to X Avenue on my bike and shopped here. Mm -hmm. trying to tell store owners, hey, I'm here and this is why I came here and this is incredibly important too. We got to do a lot more than that. So when there are business and foot traffic studies going on, like the CB10 is doing right now and Fifth Avenue bid, 
We got to respond to those as a community and provide that input. And then, since we're currently the party of organizing and getting good at organizing, if a business says we're about to close and you really care about what they're doing and think that it's important, organize in their direction. Organize to solve the problem that they have. If there is a store that says, hey, the fees on Seamless, it takes 20% of our money, right? We can't afford credit cards or the internet went out for three days and we couldn't do any of our purchasing. Yeah. That's stuff you can advocate for. Hey, Justin Brennan, how come the infrastructure over here is no good? Or, you know, there was a fire in the grocery store next to us and people think we're closed and we're not. Yeah. Heck, let's go and walk. That's a huge one. This is such a small neighborhood, folks. It's so easy to walk. walk, man. (laughs) And this is another thing that I wanted to bring up. I've seen people online say, hey, I get in a car. I'm driving to a place with a parking lot. If you get into a car and you're all the way down by Shore Road, you're probably driving to Whole Foods. John Quaglione, man, I've seen your Twitter account. You drive to Whole Foods. It is not just a hipster thing. It is not just a young person thing. It is not just something that millennials are ruining all of our local mom and pop shops. This is something that happens all the time. This is something that is endemic to Bay Ridge. We have a car culture here, and it means that we have an uphill battle in order to get people to shop local. Sure. And if you do, you're like Marty and you're double parking in front of a bunch of different things and you're walking in the middle of the street and you're cutting the line at Bagel Boy. Just walk, buddy. The neighborhood will be safer for it. We need more walkable and engaging avenues that will make other people want to come and walk our avenues as an experience. It's where placemaking has a big value and you walking makes a place more vibrant. Before we wrap up, let's talk about what placemaking is. Oh, yeah. Placemaking is urban planning's solution to branding. And we're going to see more of this. Fifth Avenue Bid just hired someone to do a placemaking study. Placemaking already happens naturally. For example, at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about, oh, why do I go to Fifth Avenue? Why do I go to Third Avenue? And there are these evocative images in your head of why you go to a place. And placemaking is designed to break you out of your own experiences and start talking to you about all the various things that maybe you've been missing. So some ways you can do that are very simple, tangible things like putting plaques up on buildings that explain the history of an area that maybe you have overlooked or marketing and social media to say that this is a cool place that you might have not thought about. It's a way of trying to broaden your understanding of the neighborhood as a whole and places within it, like third or fifth, and having you have more reasons to go down to those avenues, trying to add more to that mental picture that you have. And these are things that we might even have to relearn. I had a conversation with some people and we were talking about walking home from like Mm. 77th Street for people who live in the 90s or in the 100s. And we take Third Ave. In my head, when I think of Third Ave at night, I think of a lot of lights. I think there are people out super late. Yeah. And so there are just people around. And Bay Ridge, listen, listen, Bay Ridgeites. Bay Ridge is not a dangerous neighborhood in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, please sir. Get, please get the Citizen app off of your phone. Please, for the love of God. One thing Citizen does not do is it does not tell you when something has been solved. 
Yeah, we're all of it. All of it should be gone. All of it should be gone. Please listen. Justin uh, is 100% right on that. That stuff is crazy. It's awful. Anyway, if it's one in the morning and I just need some visual stimulation to get myself from the upper 70s to the lower 90s, I'm going on third. Yeah. And why is that? It's a and scene. Is, it's yeah, a scene, it's, man. it is a scene. And, and that's what we mean by placemaking. What is the scene? What do you what do you feel? Yep. And that's why it's important they have a diversity of stores. That's why it's important that there are some stores when you go down to an avenue that are closed because those things open up at night yes. or those things open up for the morning crowd or those things open up for the weekends. It doesn't always have to be everything perfect all the time. It has to be perfect some of the time, some of the places consistently. Yes. And that is what Third Avenue and Fifth Avenue and Fourth Avenue and all these small. That's what they are already. They're doing okay. <laughs> too long didn't read you. I don't know why I went this far without listening and everything else we were saying, but too long didn't listen. They were just fine, man. We're fine. We're fine. Not something that you hear often on this podcast. Our conclusion, listeners, are doing okay. Activists always can find ways to do more and connect and make it even more healthy, but it's fine, at least with vacancy. Thank you so much for... <laughs> listening to this incredibly as normal in-depth episode about a topic that you might not have even had a word for before yeah. about 50 minutes ago. There we go. And as always, listeners, you can check out our show notes at RadioFreeBayRidge.org. The show notes for this one are, is an interactive map of all of the data that I've collected. So feel free to go through that. It will change, it will shift, but it'll be my best attempt at whatever the heck is going on. If you find an inaccuracy, by all means, email us at contact at Radio Free Bay Ridge or DM us at our Twitter account at Radio Free BR. I will correct that data. Give me a photo and just say, hey, man, this thing definitely is open or this thing is definitely I will correct that data and everything will shift. I am just one person. I am trying to make this as accurate as possible. So we will see you next time, probably with a episode about the Third Avenue bid and what it takes to get this off the ground, mm -hmm. if it ever will get off the ground, question yeah. mark, question mark. So stay tuned for that. And as always, everyone, stay free, Bay Ridge. Mm -hmm.